Dotnet Rocks episode 747 with guest Rob Menching. Recorded live Thursday, February 23rd, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter and now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. I'm in New London, Connecticut. He's in Vancouver, British Columbia. And we're brought to you by the magic of FTP. Because <laughs> that's fine technology. Because that's how he gets his wave file to us at Pop Studios. Because Archie wouldn't do. Well, you know, th- people talk about this. How do you guys sound so good? What are you using? Some kind of we have an ISDN connection and all this stuff. And it's like, nope. nope. He calls in on the phone. He records a wave file. He sends it to me. Simple. Uh, Simple, I would argue that uh, if there's any skill we actually have, it's that it sounds like we're together because we kind of gotten to know each other over the past 700 or so shows. And so we sound fairly familiar. Yeah. That and I still wave my hands, even though I'm sitting by myself in a small dark room. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when we, when we get serious and do a video show, that know. would be, <laughs> look, we have faces for radio. Let's yeah, just get to right. the truth here, right? Nothing good could come of video. Uh, that said, we are experimenting with some video stuff, so stay tuned. Ah, yeah, well, let's we know. are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like acoustic attics. Uh, that's great. If you're if you love guitar playing, acousticattics.com. Another yet another Carl show. I'm overexposed. <laughs> All right, better know framework. Hit me. What do you got? So I recently created a Windows service, mm-hmm. and I remember. Back in the early days of .NET, loving the whole Windows service and adding the installers and getting, you know, and then, and then I went, did the, the wonderful, I had the wonderful experience of shelling out to a command prompt and using some tool to install it and uh, uninstall it and just how horrible that was. So I wanted to figure out how to do an, uh, an installer, a setup project for a Windows service. And of course, the first thing I landed on was MSDN. And it turns out there's a great how-to article. Huh. And, you know, quite frankly, not going that far and knowing how to do a complete setup project and an installer for a Windows service kept me away from that technology when I could have actually used it uh, um, quite a few times, I think. So if you go to tinyurl.com slash wservicehowto, W service how to that'll take you to the article in MSTN. It's a walkthrough. It takes you all the way from start. Here's what you do. Here's what you add. Add some code. Write it. Test it. Now we're gonna you know compile it. Now we're going to add installers. And now we're gonna create a setup project. And we're gonna get out the output. And yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense right at, be- at the beginning. There's a lot of well, that seems cr- kind of like overkill. But in a lot of projects and a lot of things. But, you know, quite frankly, there's quite a few variables in, nice. in, a, in a setup project. And it's complex. And this is a Windows service. This needs to install uh, with with correct permissions and all of that stuff and needs to run automatically. And whether you want to uh, delay it when you log into Windows so that they don't all try to run at once, that kind of thing. So I just found it an invaluable resource and I wanted to share it. Great idea. Seeing as how we're talking about installation today. 
I thought this would be a good jumping off point. Tinyurl.com W service how to. Nice. So who's talking to us, Richard? Well, speaking of why we're doing this show, let me read you an email from Rob Livermore, who has a subject of a show suggestion. Yeah. Hi from Toronto, Canada. A thank you for all the hard work you do to put together the show content, and I have a show suggestion. Would love to hear an interview with Rob Mensching on the Wix toolset. Yeah. I have been using Wix for a few years now, and I still find it one of the best setup tools available for Windows desktop and server deployments for .NET services and applications. I think it would be good to share Wix with others. All the best. So well, there awesome. you go. Now you know. Well, you know, we definitely can't do that show. <laughs> That's crazy talk. We can't do that, Rob. Sorry. <laughs> no chance at all. Well, wait. Maybe but there's a little bit of chance. All right. Maybe so, Rob, chance. I'll send you a .NET Rocks mug. Thanks so much for your suggestion. Here's the show you asked about. And if you'd like to get a .NET Rocks mug, it's easy. You can write a comment on any of our shows at .NET Rocks.com or send us an email like Rob did at .NET Rocks at Franklin's.net. Hey, Richard, it's almost time for NDC. Oh, yes, the Norwegian Developers Conference. Yeah, it's coming up here in June, June 6th to 8th, with pre-conference workshops June 4th and 5th. Where do you see the roster? The cost is $2,000 US. Which is 10,900 kroner. And you can see a list of speakers if you go to ndcoslo.com slash speaker. I know you and I will be there. We will be. We'll be recording shows like mad like we always do. It's one of the best speaker rosters of any conference or anywhere in the world. And it's not a huge show. If you really want to get a chance to sit and chat with a guy like Aral or uh, Dan North, this is your best shot. It's a great show for that. NDCOslo.com. And Dev Connections is coming up March 26th through 29th. Absolutely. And that's going to be at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. And this one, this one's all about Visual Studio 11, but, uh, the SQL Server 2012 launch is also going to be there. Yeah. And you can expect to see Scott Guthrie, Jason Zander, and I hear Mr. Hanselman's coming out this yeah, time. Yeah. They always do a Microsoft day in which, uh, it's all about, you know, it's all Microsoft speakers and Hanselman's going to be there. That's, uh, he hasn't been there in a while. No, it's great to see him out. And, uh, they tend to do that. Microsoft day is really interesting. You want to find out what Microsoft's thinking and where they're going on technologies. That's what you get in that day. Yeah. And then there's two days of the third party folks like us talking about, the latest and greatest, how we're using stuff, you know, different mindset entirely. And the, the other thing about connections is just the diversity. Oh yeah. You know, you buy one ticket, it's 1595. I know you want to go to the web talks. I know you want to go to studio talks, but you might want to pop in on the cloud side or on yeah. the SQL side or even Windows or learn some about design or, or, uh, as you said, cloud or exchange even. There's, uh, and, and the IT show is, happening at the same time so absolutely and you know the best thing about the whole dev connections by far absolutely it's the 64-bit question swag giveaway that we've done every year so at the close of the conference everybody sticks around because a awesome swag i don't think there's been a year gone by we haven't given away at least one xbox and b the crazy game show that's just a scream yeah so richard and i basically uh ask trivia questions and we pull your name out and we get you up on stage and you answer the question and you win the prize and uh you know it's fun and sometimes we give hints sometimes sometimes so come out to dev connections march 26th to 29th and you can look it up more information at devconnections.com. we'll be there and before we introduce Rob, I need to tell you about Pluralsight. They provide comprehensive developer training online with over 200 hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts such as our guests. 
They release eight to 10 new courses every month and offer a 10-day free trial, giving you 200 minutes of access to their vast library. Pluralsight offers a wide range of developer training courses, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack. Try Pluralsight today. Subscriptions start at just $29 a month. And apparently we're supposed to do an electricity show for Pluralsight as well. That's crazy. <laughs> if you haven't been listening to the Geek Outs, you have no idea what we're talking about. But we've been doing these Geek Out shows. We did one electricity, and now people want to see a video. Yeah, I don't know. I'm they, not quite sure why. I think somebody's got to pony up some production cash for that. Cause yeah, yeah. That's, that's not just a simple task. No. We need I, animations. You know, we need graphics. And All right. Well, anyway. So let me introduce Rob. Rob Menching is a senior software design engineer at Microsoft working on the next version of Visual Studio, which I hear is imminent. It's more than imminent now. By night, Rob is the benevolent dictator of the Wix toolset, a popular open source project for all your software installation needs. On the weekends, he operates robmenching.com, and that's M-E-N-S-C-H-I-N-G, which provides setup and deployment consulting services round the globe. Ultimately, if it has to do with software installation, Rob is probably looking into it. You can find his blog at robmenching.com slash blog. Welcome, Rob. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for being on here. Well, you've, you've had the experience of creating setup and deployment projects in Visual Studio. And as I mentioned in the intro there, you know, that it wasn't very intuitive and there seemed like a lot of things that were named kind of the same but had different meanings and and it just I didn't feel like I could I don't feel like I could do it again without that walkthrough you know having gone yeah. through it once yeah and and you actually I think touched on probably one of the things I uh, worry me the most about the Visual Studio projects and the way that they actually tell you to install a service. And that was, if I remember correctly, you got to an MSDN article that talked about writing code and how you use an installer class and all this other kind of stuff. That's right. Is that mm. the same one? Yep. Yeah. Um, it turns out that that's two lines of XML in Wix. Whoa. Nice. So, yeah. so now there's a lot of XML that you get to get all the other things. Um, and we could talk about that, but the Visual Studio projects are, uh, setup deployment projects are very limited. And usually when people say they're using it, I'm, I usually ask, what kind of software are you, or what kind of customers are you sending this to? Internal and things like that? Okay. Probably work great for you. External. Um, let's talk about alternatives. And that's usually why I start talking about Wix toolset. Well, and before we talk about Wix, let's talk about some of the other ways that software is delivered and installed. You know, it used to be CD-ROMs before the internet actually got fast enough to no, be able to no, handle no. that kind of stuff. But I'm not no, going... you're forgetting the floppy disk. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> Dude, I mean, floppy disks and all the challenges of spanning cabs across multiple disks yeah. because no file was small enough to sit on a single disk and yeah, so on and so forth. That's yeah. how I installed right. Windows 95 by with about 20 floppies, yeah. 36 yeah. three-and-a-half-inch okay. floppies for Office 4.3. <laughs> uh, yes, you have an there amazing memory, Richard. <laughs> All right, so disk it, number 27 always failed. All right, so <laughs> in particular, I want to talk about how people have forgotten about Windows Forms, and even though the install technology is ridiculously easy now for a Windows app, and everybody's thinking Silverlight and, you know, and even WPF and, and Windows Forms, just we don't seem to, at least on this show, we don't seem to talk about it anymore just because it seems like, uh, you know, it, 
it it does its thing and it works and there's not a whole lot more innovation going on. But tell me about um, the state of click once and all of that stuff. You know, click. Do you uh, do you do you are you a fan of click once? Uh, so you're going to find I'm kind of a, a setup purist, maybe a setup a setup snob. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of being in it. Um, click once again targeted kind of like the Visual Studio setup projects targeted a particular type of app um, for a particular need. Again, most of the stuff that I saw was enterprise line of business delivering things uh applications line of business applications win forms what you have you um very easily through an enterprise yeah um so i'm not big on click ones for a number of uh technical reasons probably the the most simple one is the fact that click once distributes for as far as over the internet distributes the binaries uncompressed you just get an xml file that says here's the stuff you're going to need then it starts bringing around the dlls as they are and to me that's just so inefficient it's it's you know like reprehensible and so there are so many other ways of doing things to get better behavior to get better distribution behaviors than that you know so that said that said click once has done a lot of work to have a very nice experience of what i call breaking the sandbox which is you're inside a browser you want to get your application to the desktop and they have a very nice transition by being in the dotnet framework Mm. to get them from in and out um so in that way, they have a number of features there. My beef with it usually is the um, the underlying technology and the way that it operates, not the the user experience is generally what you want. It's the deployment technology itself. I so, actually have a little story about installation that happened um, yesterday. So uh, I wrote this little application for my wife who does transcription and, tr- and transcript editing for us. And it basically is a pedal app. Like she, she has a transcription pedal and she's trained as a medical transcriptionist. So they all use these pedals when, and the pedal comes with software that basically you load up an MP3 file or a video or something. And then you can assign the buttons on the, um, on the pedal. There's one on the left, one on the right, and then a big one. And the big one, when you're holding it down with your foot, it's playing. When you lift up, it stops. And then one of the pedal, one of the uh, buttons, rewinds it back a few seconds but there was no way with the pedal software to change that how much it rewinds back it was mm. it was hard coded or we couldn't figure it out or whatever so i basically wrote one using a a usb uh the 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 open source usb toolkit that's out there and uh and it was fairly easy but now she is enlisting the help of somebody else and i was charged with the task of you know can you get me the files that I need to install on this guy's machine, right? So rather than making an installer and a setup project and all that stuff, I downloaded the .NET. I'm such an idiot. I downloaded the .NET framework, put that on a USB key in a directory, and then I put the binary directory for all of the, uh, you know, the, the the code, my code, in another directory, and and an installation. Um, created a readme file for her basically with step-by-step instructions which include which number one didn't include oh yeah install the pedal driver yeah i forgot that and also (laughs) it was just like you know copy this folder to this folder and you would be surprised 2012 how many people don't know what the hell that means you would be surprised 
No. Ask no, me how but... I know. I'm, I was surprised. <laughs> I honestly was surprised. I think if you have a Windows machine, I'm automatically assuming you know how to copy a file. Not so. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I've been saying for years and years and years that setup is not xcopy. It's not. If if it is, then you've you either have underestimated the the problem domain, or uh, you're you're just trying to hide all the other stuff. Now, well, even if it is X copy, even if it is X copy, the problems that came up were um, I can't find the exe extension on setup because it's hidden by default, right? <laughs> and I assume yep. that it wasn't. Yeah. Um, when but I copy a-, so- a shortcut to the desktop, it doesn't show up on the desktop. Uh, it go if you go into the explorer it's there but if you look on the desktop not there for a number yeah. of seconds or some reason sure. little so, things like that just completely yeah. throw a monkey wrench into this process yeah but you know that's like the the primitive example of it's not xcopy because well you copy the bits and then you have to go create a shortcut right that right. creating a shortcut's not xcopy yeah that's true so I, I mean that right there if you boil it down to that it's like okay cool so it's two steps now if your users are sophisticated enough sure you can start giving them those kinds of things and developers passing bits back and forth between developers you know x copy might work for them sometimes yep. it's even preferable not yep. to have a whole bunch of other stuff but when you start distributing it to <laughs> end users of varying levels of technical ability mm-hmm. yeah you know there's a lot to be said for them getting a thing that comes up and says this is what you have yeah. hit the install button and everything works at the yeah, end yeah it's so true and you know it's and it and it's just like us as developers to assume and and it and in a way it's not just assuming that they know how to do it, but it's sort of devaluing that basic knowledge that we all have, yeah, well, you know, I work in the setup domain, there's a lot of people that devalue the value of setup, so I, yeah <laughs> I, pretty much if you find any hardcore setup geek, they pretty much all have a Napoleon complex, so you know <laughs> they're all these little bit angry of the, people really. <laughs> Not, I don't know about angry, but certainly, no, we are important. There is value in what we do. Um, sometimes you have to reach a certain scale to to appreciate the value. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people I talk to that do not appreciate the, the, the depth of what you can do in an installation space until they have huge problems and their customers are telling them, we will not install your software anymore because we can't. Right. <laughs> and so that I, I get a lot of people that are kind of like, yeah, you know, we really thought this was X copy or, you know, simple or whatever until we started actually pushing this to lots of customers. So let's and talk so, about the probably the biggest issue that we as .NET developers have with setups. And that is uh, if the .NET framework isn't installed, what do you do? So there's yeah. bootstrapping and things like that to, yes. to figure that out. But uh, I imagine Wix takes care of all that stuff, too, doesn't it? So, so the amazing thing is that in Wix 3.6, which is the current under development version at this point in time, um, and is, it will be done, oh gosh, has to be done in the next six months, something like that. That's what I'm thinking. Um, has finally a bootstrapper. Um, the, what would you call a bootstrapper or a chainer? Chains multiple packages together, um, creating something of a unified experience for the end user. Right. Um, so you start so, with a native exe. That yes. loads the, yeah, checks to yeah. see whether you have the so, framework. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Now, now, in the Wix toolset, we do things, I the Wix toolset is built to scale. So, I mean, the Wix toolset is used by pretty much all the teams of Microsoft. So, you know, you think Office, yeah, they're using the Wix toolset. You were just talking about the next version of Visual Studio. Yeah. They are on the latest drops of the Wix toolset V3.6 using all the features now to redo their entire installation experience the thing that you saw um, at 
the community preview last time was like the cutting edge Wix 3.6 drop with the nice, you know, swishy uh, installation experience. If you went through that, I think, you know, it looks pretty sweet. I like the click the install button. It just goes kind of thing. So um, you're saying they, Visual yeah, Studio is now using Wix for setup and deployment? Well, Wix, Visual Studio has been using the Wix tool set uh, since, I don't know, what was it? Visual Studio.net, I think. Um Okay. So 2003-ish. Um, they've been using it for a long time. What I'm saying now is that they are actually using the same bootstrapper, the bootstrapper that comes from the Wix tool set. I get um, it. To install everything. They had a custom installation executable that would tie together all their packages because the Wix tool set in previous versions did not come with a bootstrapper. And hmm. it was huge pain. It was a thing that we had to get done. Um, the, the bootstrapper, we have cute code names for everything. The bootstrapper's name is Burn. Um, and we had the design of Burn five years ago, but the Wix tool set is an open source project. It is a volunteer project. And so we make our way through things as we have time. And while we had the design and the need to have the bootstrapper, because as Carl pointed out, the .NET framework and then your .NET app, you need that all the time. Yeah. We, I, I honestly, the what happened to me was active, very active, productive members of the community um, made life choices and no longer worked on the community. Usually they got married, they moved, um, they had a fourth kid, whatever it was. <laughs> they had to go and, and not be a part of this volunteer thing. And so I always fell back into the, well, I have to make sure that we deliver the set of things that we're delivering now. So this design, this bootstrapper is actually my baby of Wix 3.6. It is massively awesome, cool, and I think it's going to change the way that people treat um, installations um, at at least the big scale. If you think small applications, the .NET framework and then their app, they're like, okay, whatever. But when you think of something like Visual Studio Ultimate, which is comprised of, I last I checked, like let's say around 130 installation packages. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's underneath is happening. When you install that, it feels like a single installation experience, hopefully. Um, add remove programs doesn't look like it when they get done, unfortunately. But I mean, that, I consider most of those bugs and things to work on. But the installation experience as you go through it, the update experience as you go through it, even the big one, the hard problems are like the service pack experience, which, yeah. you know, Visual Studio is very big and painful and slow, usually is what people use to describe it. But that experience is very difficult across 130 packages at the various levels that you may have serviced them and stuff like that. Anyway, Burn is designed to do all of that stuff at that scale. And it's a platform. So we provide you a UI, but as you can see with the Visual Studio install, um, they can build their own user experience on top of the engine that we provide inside the Windows installer um, XML tool set which is the Wix tool set. I was unaware that uh, Visual Studio was using Wix for all of that stuff. So uh, do you mean that when uh, I was walking through and creating my setup and installation stuff, there was Wix going on in there? Ah, so no, I, when I say the Visual Studio installation, I mean truly the installation of Visual Studio. Oh, okay. The Visual Studio setup projects are a thing that was built a long time ago and have been slowly moved forward. Um, and I don't, and they're not being moved forward in the next release. In fact, like they've been deprecated out. So, um, the Wix tool set is not there. Um, there was actually a thing for a while where the Visual Studio guys, um, thought about bringing the Wix tool set in and actually contribute a number of resources to get the Wix tool set to a level that they could have shipped it in Visual Studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they made decisions that, you know, nah, maybe that's not really where we want to go, and they decided not to do that. If you go search through the blogs, you can find the the wax and wane of those conversations. And it was it was an interesting experience. So the confusion, I, it happens often. So the installation of Visual Studio, 
has been built with Wix toolset for a very long time. Um, the Visual Studio setup projects inside Visual Studio do not use Wix at all. Inside the Wix toolset, you get a project and build system. So when you install the Wix toolset, we give you, you know, file new project Wix product merge module, uh, what we call a bundle, which is the burn collection and bootstrapper and all that kind of stuff. So yep. uh, the Wix toolset provides you that um, nothing built into Visual Studio. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik JustCode. If you're like me, you're probably using some productivity add-on in Visual Studio to check, refactor, and test your code. But how'd you like to get a complete list of your solution's errors on the fly as you type, and not just for the opened files? The new kit on the block, JustCode, does just that for all supported .NET languages as well as JavaScript. It's like having a compiler running all the time, only that JustCode is faster and requires less CPU time. One area where JustCode is definitely better is performance. The tool provides the fastest code analysis and better performance without slowing down Visual Studio. Another reason to try it is JavaScript support. It'll help you read, navigate, and refactor your JavaScript code better than you've ever imagined. Learn more about the features JustCode offers and download a trial at Telerik.com slash JustCode. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Maybe we need to set a little landscape here because I'm trying to figure out, you know, the simpler installers or say, let's say the other installers that are out there work in certain circumstances. What's the sort of, uh, what's the taxonomy here? Is it the number of packages? Is it the, the width, the span of distribution? Like what's, what really, you know, causes problems around installers? Uh, the problems in installation, uh, the, Installation space basically come down the problems come into appropriately name spacing your application so it does not collide with other applications. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's the first thing. And there are a number of things in the Windows operating system that do not make that possible. Uh, let's pick the favorite one that everybody will remember or know is a uh, file associations. You can only have oh, one yeah. application that does HTML. Right. And if you remember, applications used to fight about them all the time. So the way that the operating system is built, there's only one. Now you can do things, you should do things to get yourself an open with and respect the user's usings. But those kind of collisions create problems. So that's mm -hmm. the first thing. Um, then once you've got yourself, let's say you can get your app very nicely isolated. You know, your program files, your own company name and, you know, uh, application name, that kind of stuff. And your shortcut is very unique. And you have a couple file associations that are pretty much only you. And you have your com registration if you still do that sort of thing or whatever. I'll, I'll isolate. All right, great. So you probably don't have a lot of problems putting your initial install on and then uninstalling it because you don't have to worry about all the other people that might be in your way or doing things to you. That's great. Right. But you're probably going to ship another version in the future. And so now you have to think about the interactions between the version that you already shipped and the next version that you're going to do, that you're going to ship now. Mm -hmm. And then you might think, but actually what we need to do is, oh, we need to fix something before we do the next version. We're going to try to fix something in between. So we're going to ship a very small update to our application to fix that and go that. And then a what happens fix, is, right? yeah, like yeah. a hotfix, you okay. know, whatever you want to call it, a patch, a hotfix, whatever you want to call it. Right. So now you start spinning all this stuff and Basically, for me, installation comes down to set theory. It's all sets, sets of sets and how they intersect. And then you add time. So then you add that other dimension of you modify the sets over time and you have to maintain a consistency such that the application works. 
the real fun monkey wrench ends up into, oh, well, my application actually needs this random thing done during installation, otherwise it doesn't run. Mm-hmm. And so then you start getting into all these complex behaviors that now have to chain, operate within those sets. Now you start getting these interesting arcs that modify sets and stuff like that. So if I have a whiteboard, because um, like you, Rich, I tend to wave my hands all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I, I start drawing arrows and start um, doing things. Um, let, let me give you an interesting example that on a higher end, Visual Studio, when you install it, has 130 packages in it. Right. Right. Um, let's pick something that revs often um, ASP.NET. Right, MVC two, MVC three, MVC four. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. presumably there's going to be another one. What does that when you bring that down as an out of band, like you go get it not as part of Visual Studio, but you get the latest update? What does that do to Visual Studio? Well, there's an interesting interplay there. Yeah. Now I'm going to toss another thing because this is still in the space. When you have Visual Studio, you have the option, should you so choose, to install a Visual Studio language pack. So now you're going to add the Japanese resources after you installed, say, the English or German or pick your language. Right. Well, great. So now we have this thing that we brought after the fact that tacks on and grows and then fits, uh, hooks onto these things. And you're like, all right, great. So now there's interaction of the, the Japanese with the, the Visual Studio that we had plus the ASP.NET thing. Right. And then, oh, Windows Phone comes out. So we're going to think about the Windows Phone tools comes out. So when you get these larger and larger systems, you can start seeing how they interplay. Um, and you have to then think, oh, and then we're going to do SP1 that's going to fix everything. <laughs> yeah, and SP1 so, may have come out after MVC4, but MVC4 didn't have a dependency in SP1, so you're actually able to install MVC4 before you applied SP1, and you already put the Japanese language pack in. Yeah, now and okay, and we yeah. get angry when it doesn't work. Now I have two, and problems. you do because because in the end you don't care. So yeah. this is, you know, I mean, this is, to, and I totally appreciate that. The goal here is that all of this works perfectly. If it does, you never even think about us. If it yeah. doesn't, you hate it. Mm-hmm. And mm. that's the world we live in. I think there's a set of professions. There's got to be some name for the set of professions that are this. Um, and the people that do them have to be a certain type of person, I think. Yeah, to get do your job perfectly. We won't even know you exist. And yes. if you don't do it perfectly, we hate you. That's right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> kind and of so basically anyway, ex- I, describing every IT pro in the world. An audio I, I, editor. I believe that is true. We identify a lot with IT pros, um, build, uh, yeah. build guys, things like that. I, I, I have a lot of, um, sympathy. I don't know. Mutual respect. I don't know. However you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot. So in general, my, go- my, what I try to do is when I'm talking to anybody that wants to talk about installation, I try to get them to a space to at least they recognize that it's not just a batch file that's going to copy a couple files somewhere. Yeah. My friends for years have been giving me a hard time. Isn't your job just a batch file? Oh, that hurts. But that's almost like what? What's taking so long? My brother could do this in Access. (laughs) Kill me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, those sort of things. So um, that's the installation space. And you know, and I I went from really simple all the way to like the big granddaddy of monstrosity of problems. And you can get the span in between all those things. And one of the real tricky things about um, installation um, is that time dimension I talked about in the sets. Um, You have to be a, it can be tricky sometimes because you can make decisions at time zero that make it very difficult to get to time one, (laughs) like your, your next iteration. You can do things that like, Oh, how am I ever going to get that off the machine? Oh, if I can't get it off the machine, how am I ever going to get the next version on the machine? 
Mm-hmm. And so it, that's the unfortunate part. And, and I don't have one coming to my mind off the top of my head, but if, you know, I have people coming all the time going, so we need to fix this problem. I look at it, I'm like, hmm, challenging. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, th- I think that adds another thing is I, I always tell anybody that's, that's I'm, I'm working with, um, you need to ship the second version before you ship the first version. Nice. At least at least what you think the second version might be because invariably you will find problems that you want to fix in the first version that make your second version easier to work. And yeah. and it's and and here's the other thing I say and maybe I should always lead with this. Um it's not the initial install that's the hard one. All right. So, you know, all the people that are like, "All right, cool, I'm just going to do the install." Oh, look, this wasn't that hard. I got this working. Yeah, yeah. that's no big deal. I got the uninstall working. That was not the hard one. I'm like, "Yeah, sure, great. That that's easy. Do the next one." Yeah. Yeah. And that's usually where all the problems come in. So yeah, there's a long is when you want answer. to kill yourself. Yeah, well, it, it's it's where all decisions you made in the past come back to haunt you. Yeah. Um, installation is where the rubber hits the road. I, I tell people installation is kind of the it's the closest thing we have to your the physical the physicality of your application, right? It's the thing that you think of that used to get burned on the CD. That mm-hmm. was it. It wasn't your application. It was this packaged thing that then would make your application come to life. Your application ran in memory. You had to think about all those things. But physically on disk, that was the purview of setup. So, you know, you can be this beautiful person and be this really, you know, you know, have all this fat and no muscle mass or anything like that. And you can think of apps where you're like, oh, I really like this app, but it's impossible to install or uninstall and things like that. That, that to me is kind of how I, you know, talk about these things. Think about the physicality of your application and you're going to typically be thinking about the installation of it. So we've been talking about the problems. I'm, I'm assuming that these are the problems that Wix addresses. Yes. Well, the Wix toolset comes at these problems in a particular way. Um, a, we, there's a, a philosophy in the way I do it. The first one is that given all of this, hopefully I've convinced you, setup development is development. It yeah. is not this, it is not some other thing you do on the side that isn't. It is part of your developer experience. Yeah. Um, and so one of the big things that the Wix toolset started with was we are going to do everything to integrate into your developer experience. So what does that mean? Well, developers edit text files. They check them into source control. They compile them with command line tools, typically, that are then aggregated through a build system, typically. And then you hook them into, you know, often into um, IDEs that then developers get extra stuff to operate on multiple text files at the same time. Or you hook them into build processes that run, you know, invisibly in the night and generate all the good stuff. And yeah. so all those layers, that's the developer experience in a lot of cases. So the Wix toolset said, we are going to do that. And I, I bring that up because it's, it's in, it's in, in my opinion, stark contrast to the way that pretty much all the other installation technologies work for, for, for Windows. You think about the Visual Studio setup projects. Um, they made a lot of decisions where what you're editing is not a text file. You're editing in this UI designer that gets saved as, these GUIDs type things inside your project file, which is not, you can't really merge or source control it well. Um, they didn't do the work to integrate into the build system, which means uh, if you have like team build, you have to launch devenv to launch your project to then compile it. These are all things like individual studio projects and the other tools out there, the real popular ones, you know, you can think of like install shield and you know, there's the, the big name out there. They have a system where it's like a UI, you sit in a big cockpit with all the dials, you do your thing and behind the scenes, all stuff happens. The Wix toolset comes out as, no, here's your text file. Yeah, um, nice. And so you check a text file in the source code, you hit build, 
in our case, you know, if you're like in Visual Studio, you have MS Build that calls our command line tools. Command line tools print out errors that point at line numbers that tell you exactly what went wrong, and you start writing text. And so that's how the Wix toolset comes at it. It turns out that our source code is uh, XML because it mm -hmm. turns out that I mentioned that installation is sets. It turns out it's actually sets of sets, which means it's hierarchy. And XML, of course, is hierarchical. So, hey, look, XML seems like a good thing. Um, it's also XML because back in 1999, before XML was a thing, and, you know, we had, you know, I, we were still, I remember I started with XDRs. I was pretty certain this XML thing was going to be pretty important. <laughs> but I didn't know how. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I'd not, learn not XML. really a fad. Well, you know, I thought I'd learn XML by applying it to something I knew really well, which was the Windows installer. And so I took... Uh, and I took this philosophy that setup development is development. I started with this XML file format of this text file format, which is XML, put it all together, built the command line tools, and you end up with what is the Wix toolset, uh, basically today, at least the genesis of it today. And we've just been growing, growing, adding more features and supporting more things inside that space. So that's kind of how the Wix toolset came into the world. Hey, Richard, guess what time it is? It's that happy time again. It's happy time. It's time to give away a Telerik Ultimate Collection, $2,000 worth of $8,000 worth of software at a $2,000 price. And it's free for a lucky listener who has also taken the extra step of becoming a .NET Rocks fan, Nestor Sanchez Camacho from Bolivia. Wow, Nestor. Nestor. We've got an email from him before, all the way down to Bolivia yeah. with a Telerik tool set. That, cool. That's awesome. So if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com slash fanpage.aspx, or just go to our website and scan the top right corner for the Get Free Stuff graphic. Click on that, and it'll take you right there. By the way, we should mention that every year, once a year, we are going to give away $5,000 worth of technology. Yeah, you heard me right. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but it'll be cool, and it'll be handpicked by Richard and I. And that's it. Awesome. So, Rob, you uh, have been doing this for quite a while, Wix Toolkit. When was the first uh, toolkit born? And let's take us from there to um, you know what, what you're working on. Sure. So, 1999, I went. I joined Microsoft after finishing college. I did that whole XML is going to be important. I know Windows installer mind merge. The Wix toolset came out from that. V1 came from that over a couple years, we'll say. Uh, the original version, believe it or not, was written in VBScript. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, the VBScript team loved me uh, because my the toolset grew to a, a WSH file, if you remember those, uh, yes. of about 10,000 lines. Um, and the XML team learned to love me because I ended up getting people using the Wix toolset building uh, with XML files that were huge. So those were early technologies back then. Yeah, yeah. And so they were like, hey, you're, you're stressing our system. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so um, in 2003, I joined a different team and I needed to learn uh, the, this new thing called the um, CLR, .NET Framework, C-sharp stuff. And so my team was like, yeah, take a week and write a project. So I was like, cool, I'll translate the VB script into... Um, a C sharp project. Mm -hmm. um, and so I translated Wix 1 to Wix V2. Uh, Wix V2 was all C sharp and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of the foundation we have now. Um, you know, total rewrite, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, same principles, totally new way of approaching it. Um, and then 
let's see, in 2004, so a little bit after that, um, the Wix toolset was released by Microsoft as the first open source project. Uh, so Wix 2 actually showed up outside the company. Wix 1 never made it outside the company, and trust me, you don't want that. <laughs> um, ah. But uh, Wix 2, all of it came out. Um, a little bit later, we had Wix 3. And so what we did for Wix 2 obviously added a lot more structure because it's hard to... VBScript at a certain point, it breaks down. Yeah, um, really? And s- <laughs> Sorry. It's not, not VB, VBScript. Yeah, VBScript. Um, I, mean, I, I know what you're talking uh, about. Good. <laughs> and so in... And when you say break down, you're saying it politely, really. It, it, it becomes debug resistant is what it becomes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, like data structures, simple data structures. We're dealing, like, let's be clear. The Wix toolset is a compiler and a linker. It yeah. takes large, in, in some cases, very large amounts of data, compiles all that into object files. You feed it to linker. The linker figures out only the parts that your setup needs for this particular product you're building and then right. spits it out the other end. That was being done in VBScript, but it was hard. Um, in C sharp, you have data structures and things like that. It you was much easier. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of things. So, um, Wix 2 came out and was a lot more robust, a lot faster. Uh, just, it was a lot better. Um, and people had it then as the open source project in 2004. Um, we then did, we did Wix 3, which brought in a extensibility mechanism. So you can write extensions into the Wix tool set. The Windows installer has a mechanism by which you can extend the set of functionality that it provides through what they call custom actions. In the Wix tool set, in Wix 3, we made the ability, you can write an assembly to extend the compiler and the linker and all that so that you can basically extend the Wix language. So if you write an extension to... uh, uh, MSI, you know, for example, we use this a lot in the Wix toolset. Windows installer does not support installing IIS websites. The Wix toolset has an extension that will give you a nice little language where you just do, you know, angle bracket, website, uh, a namespace, website, you know, whatever your alias and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And behind the scenes, the Wix toolset translates that into your MSI as the custom actions necessary so that when your MSI runs, it will install that website and roll it back, and uninstall it, and upgrade it, and if you want to patch it, it does all those things for you. You just write website in the language. So we that extensibility was a big thing in Wix 3. Um, in Wix 3.5, we did a lot of work. Uh, I don't know, Wix 3.5 was a little bit later. In Wix 3.5, we did all the integration to Visual Studio 2010. So we had Visual Studio 2008 integration, Wix 3.5, we did the work to do Visual Studio 2010 because there are a lot of changes um, in the extensibility model and things like that, mm-hmm. That especially for a project system, that we had to do the work to make that happen. Um, we also had hoped in Wix 3.5 to have the bootstrapper that I was talking about. So you right. could actually take, in, instead of just building individual packages and then going to write custom code to install those as a thing, we wanted to provide that in the Wix toolset. That didn't make the Wix 3.5 because, well, Visual Studio 2010 got done before we did. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we cut, we cut burn, we cut the bootstrapper and we said we will have a Wix 3.6. Um, and that will be solely focused on burn. That's all we're going to do. We will get this thing done and out to you and it will rock. That is Wix 3.6, which is what we're working on now. Um, and that'll hopefully be done in the summer ish is kind of where I'm at. And then, then there is, uh, planned, uh, we will have a Wix 3.7 simply as a mop up to Wix 3.6. Basically, if there are bugs that we didn't need to fix in 3.6, but we really should have fixed, we'll do that in 3.7. And we will have Wix 4, which um, we are going to reevaluate the landscape and we are going to move forward with all the new technologies. The installation space has gotten uh, 
a lot more crowded, I guess I'll say, um, with disparate installation technologies all over this place. And so in Wix 4, we need to take a look at everything that we're doing and, you know, going, all right, this is how we need to be. Also, um, one of the critiques of the Wix toolset, which is completely fair, is that it's a, um, it, it, there's a steep learning curve in getting into it. Um, I compare it to like C, C++ programming. Yeah, it is you, another programming language. It is, absolutely, absolutely. It's designed to be that, and um, you have to learn it. But the problem is that you have to learn a lot to do things in it. Just like to be successful in C, you have to learn quite a bit to get anywhere. Think about how much you have to know just to do character strings. Yeah. Sure. And so the Wix toolset has a, a learning curve that's a bit um, hard for, or it's just, it's steep. Once you get over it, it's extremely consistent. People are like, oh, I get it. This makes a lot of sense now, but that's curve. So I want to do stuff in Wix 4 that really goes, let's take that curve and blunt it. And I, I look at, you know, things like, uh, I don't know, we'll go pick a high level language, uh, Python and say, well, let's go figure out what it would be if you want to be a Python developer, like at that level of abstraction and expressiveness in your language rather than at C and that level of expressiveness. Yeah. Right. Um, so that, that I think is something that we're going to be looking at in Wix 4, which we will start after Wix 3.6. We are not, nothing jeopardizes Wix 3.6. We are so late on getting this bootstrapper done and out to the world in a done fashion that that is what we're focused on right now. And that's, you know, I just gave you 12 years of history composed, yeah. you know, comprising one thing, but you know, the Wix tool set scales to ginormous, huge projects and scales down to really tiny projects. So um, as long as you get through that learning curve, it can do anything in the installation space for you. So Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application? Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded me of Farpoint Spread from the old days. Yeah, 20 years ago, I used Farpoint Spread. But now, of course, it's Grape City Power Tools Spread. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.NET and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package. So You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.net from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. So tell us about your work on the Visual Studio team, because there's uh, obviously a new version coming out, probably um, uh, going to be announced next week, and we're recording this on the 23rd of February. Yep. What can you tell us about it? Um, so I have two. I have two. I'll talk about my roles in it. I have done okay. two things at a high level inside uh, Visual Studio. Um, the first um, being... And, and by the way, I've only been in Visual Studio for, I guess, about two years now. Um, so I have a limited number of things I've been able to do. But the first and big thing that I did when I was there was um, the, you know, there's this new Metro style app thing in Windows 8. You've heard of this, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 So it has a whole new um, installation paradigm. It has a completely different way of coming into the installation, much more akin to being delivered through app stores and things like that. Um, right. be, they're talking about more in beta, so I'll I'll talk a lot about it after that. Um, so in Visual Studio, uh, you might need you will need one of those for your application. So we the thing I did a lot in the beginning was make sure that we had a design architecture that would fit the the new what they call application model, this new installation model inside Visual Studio. Um, and I kept telling the team. And this will sound familiar. We will be successful if nobody ever notices that we're here. That's right. right. 
And so we did a lot of work in the space to make sure that you can do everything that you want to be able to do that, that you can do, um, but you don't have to swallow all this up front. So that was one of the big things I did in Visual Studio. Um, if you go back to the build conference, Antoine LeBlanc does a demo using Visual Studio. Um, he, he hits our feature as he builds this app and demos it and shows you it. it he hits our, the, the feature, that particular area. Um, practically everything he does goes through it. A lot of it invisible, but some of it visibly. And he's just like, yep, see, I have to come here, set the application in my name so that this is what the user will see on the tile. And then that's it. Boom, you set that, and then you go back to your application, and everything just keeps working. And I'm like, it was so beautiful. I was so happy. So I hope most people feel that experience when they get the beta and they start building their applications. If they don't notice, um, then that'll be fantastic. If it goes to the, mm -hmm. also publishing to the App Store and that experience, if that goes well, that means we did a good, uh, did a good design job up front. On awesome. top of that, then, um, from there, I shifted most of my focus to um, the Visual Studio installation itself um, and trying to make it just better. All Everything so that it is just better. It's faster. It's smaller. It runs better. It does all the things you want it to do better. Basically, it, too, blends into the background so you don't feel it. Um, one of the big things I love that you can see in the build conference is the, the new UI comes up. You check the box because the lawyers say we have to have you check a box, and then you hit the install button, and, and boom, progress bars, and you know some number of minutes later, which I want to make, uh, I would love to make it one. It's still I don't know what is it I don't know you know forty five minutes whatever it is right now. I have to go look at numbers. I want to get it as fast as possible on your machine. Boom, and you're like wow, launch Visual Studio and you're done. So a lot of work in that space to do that. And a lot of that is like in burn um, to handle the downloading and the, the auto resume and the auto retry if there are any failures and the all the multitude of things that can go wrong handling all that for you. So you just get a awesome experience every time. So that's where I've been spending the bulk of my time, especially as we ratchet down and get all the, you know, all the various teams that deliver into Visual Studio. Um, you know, there's a lot of content that comes through there. 130 packages. I, I, that's, that's the number that's ringing in my head right now. That's and I'm a sure lot that number's going to go up, not down. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. We're at beta. There's only so many things that can change. But, um, you know, 130 is a lot. There's a lot of content in that 130. And, and to be fair, some of them are 2 megabytes. And, a, you know, a couple of those packages are 150, 200 megabytes. Right. Um, and so they're, they're not all the same size. They, they all fit and tie together as you build rocks and pebbles to build your wall. Yeah. We stack all those things appropriately and we build a nice system that you install. So those are the two things that I've done. I do a lot of stuff internally that's you guys don't see invisibility, invisibly on like trying to get developer productivity for, uh, setup installation for internal developers on Visual Studio up. Um, my ability to contribute directly to the Wix tool set means I can take feedback and go, oh, we should fix that, change, make a change to language so that makes it easier for developers to do X, Y, or Z, um, improve build process. Um, one of the big things in Wix 3.6 that just came out, for example, due to the, a lot of the work on Visual Studio is totally streamlined signing. So if you want to sign your MSI, your packages that come out of this, you basically say set a property in MS build that says sign, override a couple of tasks um, that call whatever your, you know, your, your certificate for signing and that's all you do. And then boom, we take care of all the signing the cabs and make sure they get re-signed when you have to update them. Cause when you change the cab, you have to update the package and re-sign that. And then you have a bundle that has to get re-signed and you stack all these and we just do all that for you invisibly. And you're like, wow, in the end I pushed the button and everything was signed. That's so cool. Those kinds of problems. It, you know, it's that low level stuff. It's like, yeah, everything gets signed. Everything's sweet. 
And the developer's like, yeah, please sign output. <laughs> and that's what they said. Please sign my output. Awesome. Nice. So that's what I've, I've done. So you seem like a, a guy who's fairly critical. And what I mean by critical is that critical thinking wise and, and uh, looking at where problems lie and, and what to do about them to fix them. Um, what's your number one pet peeve right now? And let's just keep it to the development world. <laughs> just saying. Um, I'm going to pick this one and I'll, I'll probably pick a fight so people can, can come after me. Um, <laughs> the, the fragmentation of the installation world makes life painful. The, there is this proliferation of installation technologies out there now because we i think we've turned a corner that people are like it's no longer x copy right it never was i'm glad you guys have got on board with that so now what i'm seeing is this plethora of installation technologies out there that are coming up out of the woodwork click once was an early one that i was like we didn't need click once we needed to make the experiences of click once work really well in the technologies that we had today um so and the reason that this is a royal pain point for someone like me that operates critically and operates at scale is that I tend to have to deal with them all. And so I end up having to smooth over the differences between them all and then somehow make them look like they're one thing in the end that get presented as a single experience. Um, installing, installing patches to windows, um, KB number type things, which yeah. you have to do sometimes, is completely different from the way that you install your application, which is completely different than, you know, if you have a click once application installing those. So in the end, have to either tell people don't use those installation technologies, or if they are so far down in them, have to somehow make it look like it's one thing. I am currently dealing with a custom installation technology um, inside Visual Studio that is um, slow, and they're showing up in my perf numbers. And I'm trying to cut, you know, let's say I'm trying to cut 30% off the time of the Visual Studio installation, and they're sitting at the top number two slot because they chose to use a different installation technology. <laughs> I didn't need that. They make my patching harder. They make my updates harder and those kind of things. So right. that is probably the thing that drives me the most mad is the the plethora of all these installation technologies. I, I really want to get to it. Can't we just agree that the problem is the same, Right. get to a place and solve it well? Why does now, everybody have to own the procedure? Why does everybody have to go create their own? Now, there is there are reasons. I understand a couple of, none of, none of the technologies do what each of the ones, each of the, a number of these exist for very special reasons, these specialized technologies. And if they were specialized and stayed within their box, I guess I'd have less quibble. I'd probably, my, you know, my snobness might come out and go, well, you guys don't handle transactions and rollback and you can get the user into all these bad states here. Let me show you the math. And most people say, I don't care. My solution technology is at, you know, really high level. Mm. I don't really care about those problems. The user will figure it out for themselves. Mm -hmm. Fine. I don't care about your installation technology at that point, but they never stay in their box. They end up growing enough that they bleed into the other boxes and then make mm. everything messy. <laughs> right. So yeah. on top of everything else, they make life messy. And so I would, I would, I dream that we could get to a place where there would just be one thing. And, and this is windows. I think the, you know, honestly, the Unix guys have the Linux guys have this sorted out. They have package managers. They have central repositories that, 
you know, they curate and manage, and then you're supposed to fit into these things. And there's a way that you're supposed to do things. I take issues with a couple of the design decisions they make in some of those, but that's at a, you know, technical detail level. That's a, we should change this feature, bug, whatever. I could try to get in there if I had the desire to fix that. Windows, we're missing that sort of technology that can be that consistent thing across all these spaces. So people are like, cool, I'll just solve it myself. It's market-driven um, confusion, basically. You know, yeah, if you're Apple, you can yeah. control that kind of stuff. And if you're Microsoft, well, everybody plays in the sandbox and everybody has an opportunity to reinvent something. Yeah. Well, you know, and even Apple has a couple of different ways of doing it. Uh, there is certainly a way you're supposed to. And, and Apple certainly has the design guidelines that tend to push people into one of the two of the whole drag and drop in applications or double click the PKJ file that PKG file, sorry, that runs a installation wizard like experience. So, I mean, they even have those two. Um, and then there's, you know, these more things are starting to show up homebrew coming up and becoming a package manager for Mac. They're becoming popular. They don't have it locked into a system that works for everybody. I think Mac will have the same problems that Windows does unless they choose to change it. Or, oh, you know, they're also changing things. They're locking the world down. You have to come through the App Store and all these other kinds of things, which will change it that way too. Anyway, okay. I, I, I've, I've bantered on about this thing, but that's probably the thing. And most people, if they see me getting bent about stuff, it's usually related to not doing a good enough job in these other installation technologies and customers suffer. And as we started at the beginning, the goal is to make it disappear and not to make customers suffer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Rob, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you this hour. No, thanks for having me. This is I fun. Like, dude, I can go on for another two hours. <laughs> well, uh, if uh, I don't know if your users can though, <laughs> but they can visit your blog and we can also have a conversation, continue this conversation online at dotnet rocks.com. Awesome. Thanks very much, Rob. Hey, my pleasure. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions. Recorded and produced by Plop Productions. Providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net for more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com got a transmitter van